Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, joined once again by my co-host and great friend, J.D. Hall. J.D., in the tradition throwing curveballs, when you expect a fastball, Phillies versus Astros, who do you got? So, my, my, my father had both of them going to the championship, right? And right now, we kind of both going back and forth about who going to win is swaying every day. But we decided he took Houston and I got to go with Philly because they got Kyle Schwab and Bryce Harper. So give me the Phillies six or seven. You are very loyal to Kyle Schwarber. Incredible. Um, I'm not going to say I was the man's biggest hater. I mean, I'm. isn't it amazing, J.D., that they finally have the D.H. in the National League? It's now he's finally got his spot. The Cubs, we would our dynasty would have lasted another 10 years. <laughs> For real. <laughs> you wouldn't have had to trade him. We um, literally could have just switched out every night. I think I thought the Astros were going to win last year. Baseball is so unpredictable. I think the Phillies are a team of destiny this year. I, I just, I kind of feel it <laughs> because baseball is just random that way. It just feels like certain teams just get the momentum going and then it's on their side. So I, we're both going to, I, the Astros are going to sweep them and we're both going to look like idiots. <laughs> that's how it is when we, <laughs> yeah, when you choose, but I can't go, you know, Bryce Harper was my favorite player before it was, um, Wilson Contreras. That's right. And so the fact he finally getting him a chance and it, it was funny, but it hurt me at the same time when Washington wanted the season after trading them. So now to see, He's in that position, and you know I'm always take a former Cub unless they on the Yankees. That's true. Or or in our division, so I gotta go with Kyle Schwarber. If he played for St. Louis or any team within our division, the Pirates or the Brewers, it'll be um, go to hell every time he step up to bat. Like I still love Rizzo. I want him to do good. I want the Yankees to lose every night. There's so. no Johnny Damon's like when remember when Johnny Damon went from the Red Sox to the Yankees. Yeah. There's not a lot of Johnny Damon's on the um on the Cardinals. <laughs> well, I think Jason Hayward did the opposite. He went from the Cardinals went from the Cardinals to the Cubs. But other than that, it usually doesn't happen a whole lot. So No, it don't. That's a lot of baseball talk on a basketball podcast. <laughs> um JD, just real quick before we get into our teams, have you seen any like Anything that stood out in the first th- we're going to be talking today about the Sixers, Pelicans and the Rockets, not in that order. We'll you'll see the order when we get to it. But JD, has there been anything real quick that you like that you've seen that's excited you from the te- from a team that we're not talking about this week that you just have to get off your chest? Don't challenge Anthony Edwards. Um. 
There's a terrible team that disgusts me in L.A. Um, that you picked <laughs> for next week. <laughs> I did. I did pick them. I did. And um, Kawhi Leonard scares me. Okay. Kawhi Leonard, Zion, and Ben Simmons, and Jamal Murray. All of their returns scares me. Yeah. Um. Michael Porter Jr. looks good, at least. So we have that. I'm really intrigued by the Blazers. Um, I can't wait till we watch them more in depth, but like their team, I've been going out of my way to watch. Um, yeah. The way they play is um different than all these other years. Yeah. And I think it's because they actually have athletes. This You got to give credit to Chauncey and you think he's a terrible coach. I don't think he's the best. And I, I listen, <laughs> I still don't think he's the best because they're he's talking about like, we're not running plays, we're doing read and react, which is like, mm, you still need to run some plays, Chauncey. But Simons has looked incredible. Simons, I think, is proving that it wasn't just a blip. And I'm, again, we're not talking, we're not going to watch them next week, but I'm excited to see them. And I'm really curious to see like just you brought up Ben Simmons. <laughs> what the hell is going on in Brooklyn? Like they just, they the can't stop. Thing. They can't stop a soul. Like I watched the end of that um, Mavs, the Dallas game, Mavs, Dallas game. We're recording this on Friday, the 28th and Ben Simmons came over and trapped. It was a beautiful play. And then at the start of overtime, <laughs> Maxi Kleba and Reggie Bullock both just found themselves wide yeah, open. Every place. <laughs> every place. It's just like, it's incomprehensible. You should, if you're going to play with defensive discipline at the, with 10 seconds left, you need to play with defensive discipline with four minutes left in overtime. That's, that's still crunch time, buddy. That's still crunch time. Exactly. Buddy, Actually. I'm glad you brought that up. It is one more thing that I want to add on to that. I'm going to let you finish, but it is one more thing I want to discuss. Go ahead, because then we can get into the Sixers. These NBA refs are attacking Ben Simmons. I feel like... I feel like everything has been a constant attack and... The media's doing it. It feels like Ben Simmons can't do what he's supposed to do. How can we criticize him as if he played the last three years every game? Ben Simmons has been played every game, none in his career. So to sit out a season, then he had the back issue and the mental issue. Can we give him credit for trying? It's like we ripping him to shreds. Then when he tries to be the defender that we know him to be, it's a foul every play. And I feel like the me- the media, the refs, all have an agenda to destroy this man. I was yeah. so glad Kyrie came to his defense. I mean, let's not act like Kyrie hasn't been seen yelling at him multiple times in the game, though. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's in the thick of the game. We, me and you, play basketball together, mm-hmm. and we've gotten into it. 
Oh, for sure. But that's what happens in between the lines. When you step off the floor, you know how we feel about each other. We go on the war for each other. That's what happens when 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 you at, at war and when you're in the zone, you gonna talk to people some kind of way. But that respect doesn't leave. So the way he what he's doing, I love it. And even with him, the media can't even say nothing about Kyrie right now. So what do they do? They pick apart the fact that, oh, he said this about how everybody is coming at Ben Simmons. But so they trying to justify what they said about Ben Simmons, let alone understanding Ben Simmons is just returning and haven't played in two years. Everything you're saying is fair. Um, I think Ben, I, I have more in-depth Ben thoughts, but I, I'm going to save those for next week because we, we really need, do need to get on to the Sixers. So let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers again, October 28th, 2022. I don't know why I included the year. You know what year it is. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers are off to a one in four start. I think I predicted them to be the first seed. <laughs> <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. That is definitely still possible. Um, it's only five games in. Um, their last five games, they lost to the Celtics opening night, 126-117. They lost to the Bucks, 98-88. They lost to the Spurs, 114-105. They finally beat the Pacers, 120-106. And then they beat, they lost to Pascal Siakam, and the Raptors in Toronto, 119 to 109. And they're going to play the Raptors again tonight, like an hour after we've actually not like a half hour after we finished recording this. Um, JD, it's been weird watching the Sixers. Like, it feels like they had half a season to figure things out last year. So it feels like we should be, it feels like the chemistry should be figured out. And it feels like we're still at the place after the Harden trade. Am I off base or do you feel like this is just like the sign that like the coach maybe needs to go? Not just the coach, but the entire system, because I knew I knew as soon as Daryl Morey went over there, he was going to try to remake it as Houston with a Joel Embiid presence. And he goes out to get Houston players. He turned um D'Antoni is now part of Doc Rivers team. And I'm pretty sure he might be the offensive coach. If I'm not mistaken, he's the offensive coach. But even if I'm wrong about that, the way Harden is playing has been looking great. But it looks like it's in the D'Antoni system still. It looked like he's still playing in a D'Antoni system. And PJ Tucker has PJ Tucker is will and heart. Daniel House has not been looking good. Tobias Harris is showing it's eating the Tobias Harris is playing like playoff Tobias Harris. You'll get a game, then you miss two, you'll get a game. It looked like it's a three-man show on offensive end, and defensively, it's just dead. If it's not Matt C, Harden, or Embiid, 
you're pretty much watching. Um, I mean, Melton yeah. hasn't been gun. Melton hasn't been shy about shooting when he's in there. Yeah, but I don't think they're using DeAnthony Melton the right way. I don't think anyone ever has. <laughs> he looked very good for Memphis last year, especially when Ja went out or when Bain went out last year. We saw the type of player he is. And, and we can't, it's like we got to understand why he wasn't playing in Memphis. It's, it's Bain and Ja mm-hmm. over here. And then with the bench, they still was having Tyus Jones running that lineup, who's a very good uh, floor general for a backup. What the hell do Philly have? They're not playing one of the best defenders in the league, and Thibault. I don't know what what Doc Rivers is doing. I honestly hate watching him. It's disgusting to me. And I don't know who the backup center is. I really don't. I was like, I saw Paul Reed out there. I'm like, oh, I yeah. thought I thought Doc liked Montrez. Like, why isn't Montrez out there? And then I saw later in the game, I'm like, oh, Montrez is out there. Trey is playing like six minutes a night at the best. Yes. So the the official count is that Paul Reed is at five minutes a game <laughs> and Montrez is at 7.5. Um, they both are getting scraps. I don't like the way this team is operating right now. The Harden's usage rate is way too high. It is... And he's not getting to the rim enough to justify it. Like old Harden, right? I think the reason, and tell me if I'm wrong, JD, the reason why you could justify Harden having the ball in his hand so much was that he was getting to the foul line a ton. And the reason yeah. he was getting to the foul line a ton was because he was getting to the rim a lot. He generated, know, he generated a bucket every time he touched it. Do you want to know how many times he's gotten to the rim, like in shot this year? Oh. Nah, it's been disgusting to watch. So sometimes I honestly just look at the game and complain about what they're not doing. So out of 94 shot attempts, okay, which through five games is about 19 a game, give or take, right? Give or yeah. take a couple. Um, He is shot 13 times at the rim. And he's drawn four fouls, which means he shot at the rim 17 times, three times a game. Would you like to know how many times he shot a long mid range? (laughs) 19 times that number, those 19 long mid range shots would have all just been added to the rim shots for old James Harden. And to Harden's credit, I didn't believe in mid range. And And to Harden's credit, to step back. To Harden's credit, he's making those shots. Like there was one in the Bucks game. He it was a really tough one. He made over Drew. Yeah, I'm not one. You exactly. And you know, I think that's a big part of someone's arsenal. But it should be a part of your arsenal. It shouldn't be the whole thing. Yeah, that's. And you know, Harden's step back. That's going to be like the whole thing this year, and that worries me because that shouldn't be the whole thing. It should be like an element of your arsenal. And then I don't feel like they're getting Embiid the ball in the best spots. No, I felt like, they're not. I felt like Embiid last year when like before Harden got there and he was averaging like 30 points a game, he would have led the league in scoring if Harden never came. I think just thinking back on it. He still did, didn't he? No, I well, no, okay, he yes. did. He finished. He did. 
Because I was thinking of LeBron. Yeah, he did finish as the league leader in points per game. Okay, yes. So, point notwithstanding, he would have averaged more points a game. He, when he was getting the ball where he wanted, he catches it in the mid post. He can face up, dribble out of it, and then dribble back into the post or drive. He's not getting the ball where he can do that anymore this year. And I don't know if that's going to change because Harden likes to get the roller, the ball right at the rim. Yeah. And Embiid, when does he do that? Embiid likes to pop all the mm-hmm. time. Embiid is a straight popper. Embiid and Jokic both pop. That's like the one thing they have in common, I would say. They're both poppers on the pick and roll. Like if they don't pop to the, if they roll, they roll to the free throw line. And Harden doesn't like that. And it, it, am I crazy, JD? It just feels like their pick and roll doesn't have any like chemistry. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe it does either. Like it's hard to imagine that it they could win. It don't. It seems like Harden isn't trying to figure out MB spots. And it feels like MB. I want MB to be more, even more demanding. You're you're unguardable. You stop yourself. And I, I do feel like Embiid does play a part in it, though. Like, and I I don't criticize Embiid a whole lot. Like, even when I don't, even when I um insult him blatantly by not giving him MVP, um, I don't go out of my way to insult him. I think he's a wonderful player. If I had a criticism of him, though, JD, and I I do think I saw he had plantar fasciitis, so I could excuse it. But his effort this year has been, I'm just going to say, atrocious. It's not been good. And you can can tell in the telecast, like, it all starts with him. Because Tucker's trying his heart out, right? Harris is trying his heart out. Maxi is trying his heart out. You know what you're getting from Harden on defense. Embiid's effort on defense, especially in transition, their transition defense has been brutal. Like, Toronto killed them. In transition right now, they're the worst. Tra- I mean, it's only been five games. They're allowing nine extra points in transition <laughs> a game wow. off of a off of a live rebound. So ball comes off, off the a rim. live rebound off a live rebound. They're allowing seven extra points a game. Now, this won't this number won't sustain last year. They were pretty bad, too, and it was only one point three points a game. But. <laughs> JD, I, I'm sorry. And B just has to, like, I know I don't like to criticize him too much because he's done so much for that team. But man, I, I do feel like he just has to be a little better there. Mm. And you know, honestly, you said something. You said the effort. I don't think the effort is going to be there for that team specifically because they feel in my ass, outside of Tyrese Maxey, nobody else playing like they got something to prove. They don't feel like anybody else is playing with 
the attitude of having something to prove. Like they just believe they talent and they names supposed to get them to the Eastern Conference fight finals. And sad to say, it's not. And I doubt that it happens for them at all. They'd be lucky if they continue to play this way. They'd be lucky to make it out the um, first round, let alone win a game in the first round. I think they can make it out to play in. I just don't think they'll win a game in the first round. I they're gonna make it out of the play the play in race. I think because they're too good not to. But here. We usually save big picture stuff for the later half of the season. I think now's a good time to talk about it. Are we sure, Embiid, if they make this into another Harden team? If you're Embiid, why wouldn't you ask out of Philadelphia? Like, you're not a a Harden player. Can I? I'm not going to lie. They make it harder and look like the best player on the team. He... Exactly. He's been, the ball's been in his hands. They've looked the best when it's been him with, you know, like kneeing and melting. And it's when it's been house. And by the way, I never sold my Daniel House stock and I feel vindicated. I like what Daniel House has done this year for the, and I feel like he's going to do stuff for them all year. But that's, that's just me. Um, but, at some point, Tucker's going to fall off. You just gave him a three-year deal. Right? He's going to be a 40-year-old role player. Fat chance. Mm. Fat chance. And then, I don't know. Like, I've I've had a sneaking suspicion. Because, you know, Leon Rose is the general manager in New York. Leon Rose was Embiid's first agent. And so I've always just had a, like kind of like a thing in my mind, like in, in the back of my head, like I've always felt that was more real than the Donovan Mitchell stuff. And maybe that's why they didn't empty the cat. They, that's why, maybe that's why they didn't empty their pistol for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Cause they know they're going to have to empty the gun for Joel Embiid. And could you imagine a team with RJ Barrett and Joel Embiid? I might die. You know, honestly, I could actually see them pushing very hard for Embiid and Embiid embracing that just because Embiid is a showman. Mm-hmm. One of the Ooh, best, he- one of the best showmen in the NBA, and he he would thrive in that environment. And he'd be the right. He'd be the most popular Knicks player probably since Walt Frazier. I don't think. Yeah, even yeah, even more than um, Pat. Regardless if he make it to the finals mm-hmm. or not, he's got so much charisma. He's got so much charisma. He's got so much. It, it's but, just him. It's he. He is. He's a not only one of the best players in the league, but and B sales. And here, here to bring it back to the Sixers, if you're just gonna go this route and build around Harden, which. Harden's 32 years old. I don't know why you would do that, especially when Embiid's like the actual guy who's more of an MVP candidate right now, but I I digress. If you trade with the Knicks 
Mitchell Robinson's a James Harden center. Agree. Mitchell Robinson definitely. He's definitely a James Harden center. Evan Fournier, James Harden player. Mm, for the most part. I mean, you squint hard enough and you can see Eric Gordon. <laughs> that that's who they still trying to get. It's it's annoying. But I mean that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like I just it doesn't make sense why the ball's in Harden's hands so much. This this shouldn't be a James Harden team. This should be okay. If they were trying to empower if they were trying to empower Joel Embiid, they would have gotten Bradley Beal. It made the most sense. Bradley Beal fits so much better. What always fits better with the big post up center? It's always the shooting guard who can pull up from 18 feet. Right? What what's Bradley Beal's game? That's his game exactly. That always fits better. And it's it's frustrating. Real quick, and then we'll move on to the Rockets. How have you liked what you've seen from Maxi so far? I loved it. I, I like I said, to me, I feel like he's um the only one playing like he has something to prove. I think whether the shot's going in or not, his effort and heart is still out there and he's putting it all out there. Um and he's still learning the game. That's the that's the most intriguing part about watching him. He's still learning and you could tell that he's still learning because he's picking and choosing when to attack and when to break the defense down, when to kick. Cause he he's he's not a natural combo guard. And putting him in that situation now, um, he had an offseason to prepare for it, and I think it's showing. Maxi kind of reminds me of young Russ. Not like he's not as not in the body sense, because no one will ever be like as I'm trying to find a way to phrase this. Like Russ's body was just different. But it was athletic freak of nature for at, a point guard. And who's just super duper quick, but is also super explosive. Mm-hmm. And it's like he'll wreak havoc with the ball. You don't necessarily want him making a ton of decisions, although Russ became that decision maker. Um I think Maxi I think I'm really excited to see how he does this season. I personally, I mean, call me crazy, JD. They might have just been better off trading Ben for someone like, I don't know, like Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, and having Maxi be the second scorer. Like, I, I don't know. That wouldn't be bad. It's, it's just, it's, it's baffling to me. The Harden trade, Harden looks great so far, and I'm not trying to diminish it. But we saw last year, it didn't last. We saw in Brooklyn, it didn't last. Harden, you want to a- hear a, a take that I bet you wouldn't think of? Yes, and then we'll move on to Houston. I'd rather be in state than Harden. I mean, that's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. Man, with a guarantee, everybody got their shot. The, the, the way they played would have been different. And I think that all goes a huge way into why they lose. I just don't think Ben and Joel work together. I think that they both like to be in the same spots, but your your point is, well, he's actually a point guard. Yeah. Harden's not actually a point guard. 
when he plays the perfect point guard role, Harden decision making in the clutch is still questionable. And I think that I think I think that's the biggest thing. <laughs> like no pay, player is a perfect player. But in the clutch moments, please get your flaws out the way already in the first 45 minutes. When the game matters the most, we need you almost perfect. Unless you can be one of those freak athlete defenders that even if you miss shots like Lou Dort years ago when OKC played Houston, he couldn't shoot. Mm-hmm. He caused so much havoc on the defensive end, though, you wasn't putting a shot up on him. Unless you can do that, and it's not many people like that, you have to find a way to change it. Because in the clutch is when this team pretty much give up. It's every game they was in the clutch time minutes. And they fell apart. And I don't blame just the chemistry on that. I blame effort and simply decision making. Yeah, I mean the end of that Bucks game, who was it? Wesley Matthews, who was wide open, and they the Bucks had like what three offensive rebounds? Yeah. And Wes Matthews missed the first shot. How don't you relocate one of the people that shoot the ball? And who's one of the best? Like, I mean, what this is, you know, by the numbers, Wes Matthews is one of the best shooters in NBA history. I mean, it's for his career. The numbers went down a little bit, but before he tore his Achilles, he was one of the best shooters. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like he forgot how to shoot. He was the yep. ideal three and D guy before that. Exactly. So I don't know. I when we come back mid season, I'm really going to be curious to see how they fix themselves. But I'm I'm not optimistic about them. On to the on to the Houston Rockets, JD. They have gotten off to a one and four start. A little bit um rocky, let's say. They played the Atlanta Hawks opening their opening night. They lost 117-107. to Amazing game, by the way. That really was a fun game. Um, Memphis Grizzlies lost to them, 129-122. Also a fun Amazing game. Amazing game. <laughs> um, lost to the Bucks, 125-105. Did not watch this game. I assume it was not amazing. No, it wasn't. Um, Beat the Jazz 114-108 and then lost to the Jazz 109. The Jazz, I think, are four and one, by the way. That's four and one. <laughs> that's not gonna last. Um JD, the Rockets should be going for Wembenyama, even though they probably shouldn't be allowed to get another top three pick. That would probably be a little unfair. What stood out to you watching the Rockets so far? They just they young. And you know how we say put your ego to the side. Mm-hmm. Their entire team, similar to the Memphis Grizzly, play with an ego for the betterment of each other because they young. Like Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., those games versus Atlanta and Memphis, I watched those so intently just for the guard matchups. And we can say easily John Bang better, the John Tan Trey better. But if you saw how competitive those young guys was, 
they were the reason they was in the game. Then you got a guy in KJ Martin that just want to fill in. He don't want to stand out by being one of the top guys. He just wants to fill in and do what's needed. Uh, what's the guy named Easton? Fills in. Tayshawn <laughs> um, Tate. Fills in. They just got a bunch of guys that just wants to be great in a row. And then you got Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green who feel like on any given night, they could be one of the best players on the floor. If not the best, because they are that competitive and that skilled. So I've been, they've been losing. That's expected, but watching, just watching them play, I love it. There was there was one notable omission from your um your list, Jabari Smith Jr., who was the third pick in last year's draft. Ashley, I don't know how I left him out because he's been a shock. I didn't think with that thin frame he could come in and make a big impact the way that he has been like it's been subtle things the extra um taps for rebounds he's not gonna come out with double digit rebounds but he keeping the ball alive the little simple deflections uh getting his hand in there he i do like that although the game is very fast He's not been, he has not been bad when it came to switching. It feels like Steven Silas made them very aware that this is what we're going to commit to defensively. Even if we're not great defenders, we're going to be in a chest coming off these screens. And Jabari Smith been one of them guys that his game Obviously, coming to the NBA, you don't expect him to play as great as he did in college. But you can see that he's going to be a good guy in the future. You could see it. I'm just cons- I like, okay. He's just too I, thin. He's too thin and he can't dribble, right? Which, I mean, I guess we're, we're living in an unfair world where I expect a 6'10 dude to have dribble moves, right? I mean, but come with that. But like also Jason Tatum is his height and can do through the legs step backs. So, I mean, <laughs> Jason Tatum's only like there's only one Jason Tatum. But at the same time, you know, Paul George is six, nine, you know, Paul George like out close. I think you muted yourself there, J.D. Paul George got to be close to like seven feet because it's sometimes <laughs> I'd be like, dude, Paul George, the tallest person on the floor, and Zubak is the only person taller. Including, other, like, when they went against the Lakers, it was Zubak, AD, and Paul George. They just looked like so much taller than everybody. I was like, wow. The podcast world is going to have to watch out when we it's Clippers week because it might actually go like four hours long. Um, <laughs> it, it might be the world's longest podcast. I think Jabari for me, I I, I want to see more. Obviously, it's not fair to judge a guy off of his first five games. Correct, correct. But what you just said, I also think I, is fair because he does do a lot of subtle stuff. He's not like he's not someone. To me, he's not as fluid as Michael Porter Jr., but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because I think Michael Porter's fluidity combined with the fragility of his body is kind of how 
she's gotten to how <laughs> injured he is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. I I feel like his shooting touch is insane. You can already see it. Like the shots don't always go in, but they're going to. Yeah. They're going to start going in. And when they got a very soft touch. Mm -hmm. And the defense, I want to see how that evolves through the season because yeah, he's like, it's not all there yet, but you can see, like you said, it's subtle. He's got, he's not dumb. He's not a dummy. Um, I think he's going to be a huge guy. I want to talk about your guy, Kevin Porter Jr. Before, because you already know how I feel about Jalen Green. I don't think I have anything new to say about Jalen Green other than I want to see him progress a little on defense. I want to see, like, okay, I'll just get I want him with that competitive edge as Kevin Porter Jr. on the defensive end. I I want to see him compete on defense. I want to see him make a little bit better reads. But I mean... Two to one assist to turnover ratio for Jalen Green. I mean, not much really more you else you could hope for, you know. Four point eight assists to two point four turnovers. I mean, I'd like to see a little more assist, but for a shooting guard, I've really liked what I've seen from Porter. I feel like Porter and we I don't think we talked about his extension. He did get um a five-year, eighty-two million dollar extension, but only yes, the first sir. year was only the first year was guaranteed, though, which I thought was interesting. But I think with the discipline that he's shown, JD, I really like how disciplined he is. With like when he goes to the rim, like when he goes to the rim, he's looking for somebody, and if he doesn't have it, he's going to shoot the layup or he'll dribble it back out. I, I feel like his development as a point guard. Compared to where he was in Cleveland, yeah. in Cleveland, we saw the flashes, but now we're actually seeing what it's like when they put time and care into him. Because he was, let's be real, he wasn't gonna get, he wasn't gonna get this over Darius Garland. No, he wasn't gonna get this over Colin Sexton. Like he was talented, but he was like Colin Sexton went top five, <laughs> or not? He didn't go top five. He went top eight. Garland went top five. So he wasn't gonna get this. JD, have you liked what? the Rockets have turned Kevin Porter into? Um, letting him be him. It, it feels like they actually just allow him to be free. And with, with that freedom, I think he has been all that you would ask for because not only is he still learning certain things, but you could tell the game getting easier for him. So certain little things that he mess up on, <laughs> You could tell that he's honing into his craft to the point where he's ensuring he doesn't do that the next um, game. And it's just it's just decision making. Um, things as things as simple as on the defensive end calling out the cutters, watching him press into guys, watching him understand who he's guarding. When they went against uh, Atlanta, watch the way he switched guarding the uh, Dejounte Murray and switched guarding Trey Young. He pressed into uh, Trey Young. The reason being, he knew if Trey got away from him, Trey could go get that floater or create for somebody else. If he gave Trey enough space, Trey could shoot it. 
when he guarded DeJounte Murray. He kept him at an arm's distance. One, so he can always make a play for the ball. And two, when he went under the screen, look at how his reaction was. He always pressed into him coming downhill. Whenever DeJounte drives, he tries to cut him off on the draft because, for one, going downhill to DeJounte Murray is hard to stop. Very elusive, a good passer, and he got a great floater. So he tried to always beat him to that spot, and his pull-up is very good. So every time he tried to beat him to those spots, and it was like you could tell he's he knows who he's defending, and he's taking up those challenges. And I think with Jalen Green coming along and possibly doing the same thing, you can be looking at one of the best, if not outside of those other two that I mentioned, they could end up being top three um, backcourts in the next two, three years. You could see it. I'm not going to, I don't think I'd go that far because I mean, what I, other young backcourts was, oh, the Garland and uh, well, and Bain and that's what I said. Ja. That's what I said. Outside the other two uh, teams they had one against, I forgot Garland and um, Mitchell. But outside of that, can we really say it's some young backcourts with their type of potential in game? I mean, not really, but also young is like, I mean, Desmond Bain is our age, you know, or like close to it. <laughs> like, I think Desmond Bain is as old as me right now. I think he's 24. Yeah, I'm, I'm older so, than Desmond Bain and John. But here's here's my thing with Kevin Porter. I, here's a comparison I have. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is very similar to D'Angelo Russell. And I think a lot of people would use that comparison as an insult. I don't. D'Lo a better. I think D'Lo a better um, decision maker. I could see it. I think... Well, that's because Kevin Porter has been doing this for, what, two years? D'Lo is a point guard for his whole life. Yeah, they tried to make um, Kevin Porter Jr. play small for it when he came in. Well, I mean, again, look at the situation he was drafted into. It's all about fit. And also, you can see why, given what's happened in his NBA career, you can see why he fell to (laughs) as low as he did in the draft. Um, I think... He's got a patience about him. He doesn't play. He plays with a pace, right? And he's not going to make you play faster. He's not going to let you. I'm trying to find the right way to say this. You're not going to make him play faster than he wants to, which is a good thing in a point guard. Point guards right need. Thing. Point guards need to be okay. I'm making you play at my speed. I'm going to dribble the ball up this fast. I'm going to take the ball up at this speed. And I, I think that Porter has that quality. He just needs to get his decision making a little better. He needs to get his he needs to cut his turnovers down. He's at three point six a game right now. Again, we're five games in, but I'm guessing what do you think he was at last year? Yeah. You said assists. But turnovers. Turnovers. Last year, what was he? Like three? It was at three point one. So I'm guessing if it does go down, it'll go down just as just a tad. I'd like to see it down at like 2.5. I don't think that's unrealistic. No, I can I can see it, but with them still being young and a lot of those guys still learning their game, it's going it's it's easy to miss certain things like the right cuts, the right you know, 
It's just mm-hmm. simple things. Like the only thing we can guarantee from them, that team specifically, he won't. They won't miss nothing in a fast break. They, they are that type of team. Mm-hmm. They oh, won't miss nothing sure. in a fast break. Yes, this isn't the Sixers. They will get out and run. Um, I want to talk about Shengun real quick. He re- like he really stands out when you're watching the Rockets because the Rockets don't really have a backup point guard. If you've noticed, they kind of play without a backup point guard. Yeah, and I think it's Shengun. I because I'm sure you thought it was weird, JD. Like why Shengun was like you know a big time draft pick last year. He won EuroLeague MVP. I don't think he won EuroLeague MVP. He won some MVP in Europe. But, like, why isn't this guy starting over Bruno Fernando? And I think the reason is, I think they're, like, trying to do, like, a Jokic thing with him off the bench. Mm. Where he's just playing with guys. And, I mean, so far, (laughs) 16 and 10 off the bench. I mean, and he's unstoppable when he gets in the post. Like, he has all sorts of counter moves. Like... I feel like JD, he, I mean, he probably is a starter caliber player Yeah, in the NBA and he has cut down on his fouls. Last year he was playing 20 minutes a game, averaging three fouls this year. He's already up to 24.0 averaging 2.7. So we're already cutting down on the fouls. I call this the Mitchell Robinson. When you play more minutes and average less fouls a game. Yeah. Um, have you seen anything from Shengun that you've liked? Um, Versatility. I've been loving his versatility, and I think it's probably maybe one of my favorite things about him, to be honest, because it it feels like he's never uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and that and that's the type of stuff you look for when you get a young guy that takes every challenge and say, "This what I can exploit." Even if he might be wrong, I feel like with that type of confidence, you have no choice but to get better because you already can read the game in a way that, you know, it'll be something you can do to affect the game. And I think that's what he already does for that team. Even when he was breaking free throws against the the Grizzlies, that was brutal. Yeah, but I wasn't surprised. He was he said he kept going up to the line. He was missing, but he wasn't scared. You could tell he wasn't scared. Nah. And he, it, it was no fear in him. And I think that's what that goes with what you're saying. You know, he wasn't scared to step up to that foul line. Um, just real quick, some shout-outs before we move on to the to the Pelicans. Like you said, KJ Martin, he's not shooting great so far, but he's definitely capable of shooting better. And he's such he's probably my favorite athlete in, to watch in the NBA. He's so mm. electrifying. Like and free him. <laughs> free KJ Martin. Get oh. him doing get him to the heat, please. That'd be oh. so much fun. He would um, be nice. That would that would be fun. Um Tari Easton is definitely a guy I'm keeping my eye on. Like you brought up earlier. He's a guy, you know. JD, I'm sure you watch him and you're like, I bet A B loves this guy. But yeah. You know, I'm out. You know what I'm most interested in seeing with him was that his development uh, as a two way player. You know, that's my favorite thing about mm-hmm. about players. Can he become a two way guy? Well, thankfully, when you have the harder end down 
all you got to do is just and he can shoot. Yeah. So let's. I didn't know he could shoot that well into the Atlanta game. And I mean, six point, he gets after it on the offensive board. See, that's my favorite thing to watch about him. He's like, very he'll, competitive. He'll go and he'll like chase after the offensive board so hard. God, I love this team. I, hey, just how you said that. I didn't want to cut you off, but you know who it was interested in seeing do the same thing when they went against Memphis? Who's that? Brandon Clark. It looked like they was trying to outdo each other. I mean, Tari Easton kind of is the wing version of Brandon Clark when you think about it. Just, he just he just shorter. Just he, exactly. he looked a, he looked a little bigger, but he just shorter. I that's that's honestly a perfect comparison. All right, well, I think we should move on to a team that's in the in the Rockets division, um, the New Orleans Pelicans. They are three and one. They have had a pretty. Interesting. Undefeated. They should. Well, I mean, the Jazz beat them fair and square. Yeah, they did. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, they beat. They destroyed the Nets on opening night, one thirty to one hundred eight. They then beat the Hornets, one twenty four to one twelve. Um, again, lost to the best team in the Western Conference right now, Utah Jazz. Um, Ooh. and then beat the Dallas Mavericks very shorthandedly, one thirteen to one eleven. JD, um. I we were really optimistic about the Pelicans coming into the season. I think this might be like I think they might be the deepest team in the league. <laughs> as crazy uh, as it is to say. Like I they think, I think they top two. And so just real quick, like the during that jazz game, Zion goes down with a what was it, a calf injury? No. Um was, hip hip and back hip. contusion. Yeah, but it wasn't anything serious. Like he's gonna probably be back in like a couple of days. Probably tonight. It's a chance tonight. And Brandon Ingram suffered a concussion. He's in the NBA's concussion protocol. I think that lasts like up to ten days, if I'm not mistaken. So he'll be back sometime, probably like next, the middle of next week. So they lose to the Jazz by one. Who the Jazz can the Jazz need to make some trades soon because they just score on everybody. <laughs> Like they're unstoppable. The Jazz, like real quick, JD. I don't think you can stop the Jazz right now. I think you can only hope they miss shots. Yeah, they're a legitimately great offensive team. So if they're trying to lose games and get Victor, I think they actually have to start trading guys like Conley yeah. right now. Con- Conley been Conley was averaging a double double through the first three four games. Larry Markkinen has been a freaking beast. Like, oh my gosh. If he would play like this in Chicago. Larry Markinen is averaging 22 points a game on 49% field goal percentage. He has been he has been that guy. Kelly Olenek is shooting 69%. (laughs) That can't can't be real. That can't be real. Like that 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 team is playing with some they they trying to prove something. Yeah, they're trying to prove like, hey, get me to a better team. Like, hey, you know, send me to the Lakers, send me to the, you know, wherever. Taylor Horton Tucker's trying to get another chance. Um, but in all seriousness, the fact that they lost a fluky game, they beat as close as it was at that. And they beat the full handed Mavericks without their two best players. JD, I feel like if you're a Pelicans fan, 
you got to think 50 wins is pretty like not Easy. like on lock, but you got to feel pretty confident in that. Yeah. It, if you ask me, it, it's a walk to them. All they need is for Zion. And if Zion and Brandon Ingram play 55 games a piece, they get that easily. They don't have to be the same 55. But yeah. I think they get that that easily because CJ has been steady. Valentunas is a freaking whatever you want from Valentunas, you get. Like they that team is loaded. The fact that Valentunas is the fourth option. Valentunas could go to playoff teams and be the second option. Like it's so unfair. He was the Grizzlies second option the year the first year they made the playoffs. Like in this run. And now he's their fourth option. Um let's talk about the Nets game and the Hornets game because that's really what matters to us when they were, you know, at full strength. Dominated I, the Nets. They, they they destroyed the Nets. That wasn't even really a game. Like the Nets would like come back, but then I don't know. I don't I'm not like a huge boxing fan, JD, but I have to imagine it was like in a boxing fight, you know, like they got a couple of jabs in, but every time they, the threw, they, threw, they threw a flurry of punches and caught a haymaker. Well, yeah, the Nets would throw like a jab and then the the Pelicans would just go Mike Tyson every time. It was. It must have been demoralizing. And obviously that was one of the games, I think. Where Ben legitimately fouled out because. Yeah, there's that much. It's hard to hold Zion, and he posted up most of the time. And, and Zion, Zion showed he can go right this season. And Ingram, Ingram also got to the foul line. Oh, B B I versus KD was a sight to see. I mean, it's like it's like looking into a mirror. But if, if he could develop the three that uh, Kevin Durant got, Brandon Ingram top ten player very soon. I I have a question though, and this this might be a little too nitpicky, but and tell me if tell me if I'm wrong here. I couldn't help but think when I was watching that Nets game, I was like, it's a little too much your turn, my turn, and not enough like okay, Herb Jones, Herb Jones should probably and Herb Jones ended with seven shots, which you know you're probably like okay, that's enough for Herb Jones, but Herb Jones also played like 28 minutes. You know, should probably throw him a couple more. Like he should probably throw him like ten shots. He like he he's a cutter. I'll shoot it if I'm open, and a guy that you want to get on the break. I think that's the right range for him. Right, and I'm, as he continues to progress as a shooter, I think it goes up. But I just, I just feel like, you know, I feel like there's just could be a little bit better ball movement. I, I did like the passing between Ingram and Zion, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, they got a bunch of guys that can score one-on-one. That, yes. That's their biggest thing. They got four legitimate one-on-one threats. And I think every that's play, the, that's the biggest thing. I think you do need to run plays in the NBA. I think that's the biggest misconception out there. You do yeah. need to run plays sometimes. You want the easiest <laughs> shot possible. Just because you know you can break down whoever defend you doesn't mean you should have to. And also, you need to get your other guys involved. Make them feel like, hey, you know, I am important. They to gotta this feel team. important. And Herb Jones is very important. Block that KD three. 
<laughs> that was insane. Yeah. That was like the wingspan on that was just like, oh my God, how did you? Because it's not like, you know, not everyone can block Katie. And for him uh, to do it, it's just two people, Kawhi and Harvey Jones. And then Trey Murphy off the bench, 16 and nine in that game, four that, and six from three. Trey Murphy's he has been. A clip. Yeah. Trey Murphy, I knew that was a great pick at the time because I'm like, this guy went to Virginia. I have, okay. I don't know if I've told you this theory. I've told it to Caleb. My theory is that if you go to Vanilla, Villanova, Vanilla, <laughs> if you go to Villanova or Virginia, your odds of succeeding in the NBA are much higher because of the systems they run at those school, specifically on defense, mm-hmm. like especially at Virginia. Look at Virginia, Joe Harris, Malcolm Brockton. Um, now Trey Murphy, you have like a bunch of other guys I could name. I feel like if you go to one of those schools and then Villanova, obviously Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson. Um, I'm not going to name the other ones, but you know them. So Josh Hart. So JD, I feel like the Pelicans, <laughs> we're not even going to talk about Alvarado or Larry Nance. Larry Nance. I feel like Larry Nance and Zion is an interesting pairing. Yeah. I want to see it. I want to see them go all out one game. Well, they got those three uh, with Ingram. Then I want to see Herf and um, Murphy out there. And I just want to see what they do. Just playing long. That would be a nightmare. I want to see. So, okay. I want to see that lineup, but with CJ instead of Nance. And I want to see Zion at the five. Herb playing like the weak side rim protector kind of role. Yeah, it's like kind of like seeing Larry Nance getting his legs back. I want to see him and Zion get a chance on a break together. Oh, that would be fun. That's the thing with this team. Like, there's so many good passers, too. Like, God. And it's funny because I noticed when the thing with that team, you could tell that they play together. But have you noticed they all celebrate individually? Mm hmm. And it's so funny. I You hardly ever see any of them jump in each other's face to celebrate. It's usually one person celebrating and the rest getting back. But I like it, though. Man, who would have thought us bonding over the Pelicans? Um, I, th- I think this team, I think they're a real problem. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship. It's a little premature, but you could see some upsets from them. I could see. I'm not saying they're gonna make the conference finals, but if the Clippers and the Nuggets don't get it together, are we sure they're not the second best team in the West? I are agree. we sh- like? I can agree with that. Says they're okay. So let's just let's go through the list. Okay, they beat Phoenix. So we know the, that the Wolves are looking like they they suck. They and we're suck. gonna watch. We're gonna watch them next week, and that's gonna be interesting. Um, the Grizzlies. Okay, Wolves are the Pelicans are the Grizzlies. Pelicans. Yeah, I think I gotta agree. Like, who and do it, they have? To- it's tough, but the reason I say it is the Cal Anderson loss. That's really my main thing. Even though they lost the Anthony Mel, it's the Cal Anderson loss. He did everything. And you know what's crazy? 
JD, you know what's crazy? Jackson Hayes was legitimately really good for them last year for the Pelicans. Yeah. I don't think he's going to see the floor this year. And, and the thing is, he has been, and guess what he's learned to do? Shoot. He, yes. I don't like, so, okay, I'm going to pull up their stats again. Like, how much has he played? Because I don't think it's been a whole lot. Like He's not playing a lot. He's only played 16 minutes in two games. No, he's... He can stand in the corner and shoot, like... But I... <laughs> he's so athletic, you want him to be going to the rim. But I think that could be a lineup, too, where you play him next to Zion. Right where Whoa. it's like, remember where people were always talking about, like, I feel like they've been talking about the Pelicans as a Miles Turner team for years, right? Mm-hmm. You know that meme where it's like, we have McDonald's at home? Yeah. The Pelicans have Miles Turner at home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jason Hayes, if he continue to get better shooting, hey. I just, I don't. Here, I am trying to find the because I like their team. I do feel like there's a small upgrade to be made, and that's at like the backup point guard. I feel like you yeah, could steal sure. TJ. I feel like if I'm if I'm looking to trade with the Pacers, I'm looking to steal the other. I'm looking to steal TJ McConnell. You have two Jose Alvarados. I, I can understand that. Could you imagine? Because Jose Alvarado can actually shoot. So I think him and TJ could play together. I can understand it. I mean, right now it's so many guys. Like, I'm I'm just excited. It's honestly it's so many possibilities, but um, yeah. I oh, real quick because um, you said it. Mike D'Antoni is not a member of the Sixer staff. I think he's, he's not this year. I think you might have been thinking of Dave Yeager. I knew Jaeger was. Where, where's D'Antoni? I don't think D'Antoni's on a staff this year. I think he might be unemployed. Because he was on Brooklyn last. He, no, he's... You know who he's coaching for? Funny, we can tie it back into this. We can tie it back into this. He is a coaching advisor for the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It's funny. You can kind of see it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Zion in a Stantoni system. That would be. Brandon Ingram in a Dantoni system. That would be. Seven seconds or less. Definitely you'll work with them. I will say Jonas Valanciunas, not who I had in mind for a seven seconds or less system. But, hey, you know, got to make sense. <laughs> Man, he's a dog. <laughs> I, we didn't really talk much about like their play on the court, but I don't I don't think we need to because just watching I, they they so excited. It's it speaks for itself almost, and that just okay. Two minutes of actual on court discussion. They're so deep. They're so deep. I don't like whatever holes they have are really small and will only be exposed be, it, due to injury. But as we said. They're deep enough to cover for various injuries to their roster. Agreed? I agree. So their defense is going to be good. I think their offense has a chance to be all time. And this is probably the team I'm excited to check up most on when we come back. Because I think 10 weeks from now, let's see, 
10 weeks from today's date is going to be Friday, January 6th, which January 6th, 2023. Um, that'll be interesting time because we'll be about halfway through the season. We're really interested to see how all that's going. But JD, tell the people what you got going on at Facts and Stats. I did just send you back your episode. Yeah, I got it. Uh, actually, I broke down the MAU Doku situation and uh, all the factors into that. So check that out. Right now, the episode that is, that's out, um, the latest, is about honesty. So tune in. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Insanity. Um, Caleb Blood is killing it. Um, make sure you check out Circle City Cinema. Linsanity also forgot our good friend Bryce Shaddy is on those episodes. Um, and Zach Griffith was also on. Speaking of Zach Griffith, Circle City Cinema is back in the rotation. Zach finally got a new computer, so that explains the absence. Um, and he will be release will be releasing an episode on Halloween about Scream. So make sure you check that out. JD, what's your favorite scary movie? I don't think I got one. I just like scary movies. I'm a coward. I don't have one. I love watching scary movies, but I don't think I got just you one. Got, do you got a top five? I never thought of it. I never thought of it. That that That's something I have to sit down and actually draft up. I've never seen either of these movies, but Freddy or Jason? Mmm, Freddy. Not scary, but I just think... (laughs) Yeah, some... As a child, I was scared. That probably went into my insomnia. I don't have any follow-up questions because I've never, again, I've never seen the movies. Um, JD... Enjoy your Halloween. Our teams for next week. I suppose we should talk about those. Our teams for next week. We talked. We talked about it a little bit. It is the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, who I chose. I. You know, it's funny because Dylan and I absolutely put off the Lakers until the last second last year. Like Dylan, I'm sure. I'm sure you know this. Dylan and I hate the Lakers. I do too. <laughs> but I just really got some stuff to say. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I picked the Miami Heat. Which you know I didn't have a problem with. Of course. I'm I'm curious about them. They're a team I'm I need to see. Because I have their team, if I don't want like I don't go out of my way to watch, I just will avoid them because I'm like, oh, that's a 10-point game. Then the third team. Who is I JD, chose? JD's favorite team. I hate them. JD, I don't I can't believe you chose this one. I thought this one was going to be like last week, last possible week. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Just just real quick. Why? Um Carl Anthony Towns made me mad and Rudy Gobert made me mad. And the entire organization made me mad. So was it a certain was it a certain press conference? That press conference pissed me off. That seemed to do that to a lot of people. I, so can, I, under, I understand I the intent. A guy who was crying about Jimmy Butler had the nerve to do that. But you know, I, what? I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. 
I understood the intent. Well, let's 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 actually try to talk about basketball when we talk about the wolves. But yes, I I understand where you're coming from. Um, oh, it is 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 basketball based. It's basketball based. <laughs> oh, I know it will be. JD, thank you so much for joining me. For sure, my brother. And thank you all so much for listening.